Welcome to our weekly meeting, NRA staffers. In light of the Uvalde shooting, we asked you to come up with some reasonable solutions to reverse the left-wing public discourse. So, let's see. What have you come up with, Miss Loesch? Proceed with your presentation, please. After much deliberation with the GOP and Fox News PR and in-house counsel, we prepared the following suggestions. Deputize one child per classroom as a U.S. Marshal, and of course, arm all the teachers, that's implied. Have Morgue Day as a fun day activity once a month, that way students can view and become accustomed to human corpses. If local morgues can find victims of mass shootings from other schools in the area to have on display, even better. Arm students based on GPA. A students receive AR-15s, B students other semi-automatic rifles, C students handguns, and so on. Make Tuesday funky tactical vest day. Students can decorate their vests and helmets. Really fun. And last but not least, make school no exit from September to June. Students remain safe, locked behind bars inside the school for the entire term. Hey, Sandra. And hello to all of our listeners. By the way, you sound terrible. Well, I have COVID. Despite wearing a mask and not really going anywhere crowded, I got it from a family member. But, you know, here I am feeling relatively okay and recording with you today. Remotely, of course. Yeah, you're not giving me COVID. I'm not doing a podcast with... with somebody who has COVID in the same room. You know, I'm here recording because I'm vaccinated and boosted. That's why. That's the thing. Even if you get COVID, you definitely won't be hospitalized or die. And I think that's a pretty good deal to get from a vaccine, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there's vaccines for everything under the sun. Too bad a lot of people care more about their politics than they do being alive, apparently. (laughs) Yes, so people get vaccinated. Uh, I wanted to get the second booster, but I'm not eligible yet. And yes, I apologize for my voice this episode, but then again, it's better to have a raspy voice than saying that Walt Whitman was a mass shooter. Apparently, we have reached (laughs) the phase of listener engagement where they find our mistakes and point them out to us. So thank you, Jennifer, for pointing out that I turned beloved 19th century American poet Walt Whitman into a school shooter. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually... Charles Whitman, as Jennifer pointed out, not Walt Whitman, who shot up the University of Texas. So, whoops, sorry about that one. You know, you you had me edit three episodes in one week. Uh, Let's just say that the brain is going to uh, decline and mistakes are going to be made. (laughs) Well, look at Mr. English Literature turning his precious poets into deranged psychos. The horror, the horror. (laughs) Ah, the horror, the horror indeed. So in this episode, uh, we're still talking about Uvalde, Texas and the school shooting. And specifically, we're going to dig a bit more into the NRA since they decided to go ahead with their Houston convention immediately after another school shooting took place. Yeah, they really seem to want to advertise their cruelty and disregard for everyone else. Any sensible and reasonable organization in such a controversy would hide from the protest and the photographers, but not the NRA. Or at least they wouldn't be dancing on the stage like Trump did. And... (laughs) 
I mean, Cruz with his BS again, he said that only a good guy with a gun can stop a bad guy with a gun, when we all just saw that 19 good guys with guns could not stop one guy with an AR-15. It was a tactical unit from the Border Patrol who went in there eventually with a ballistic shield, and even then two officers got hurt. Insane. As for Abbott, he went to a fundraiser two hours after the Uvalde massacre, you know, they're counting the money while Uvalde is counting the body. So, you know, no, the NRA has no shame. No, not the NRA. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. I think most people are familiar with the NRA as an organization, but people might not be as familiar with the individuals that have run this organization and uh, managed this dog and pony show that is the NRA. They are either sadistic or pathetic, and there's not much in between. Well, do not put the dogs and ponies in with the NRA. Dogs and ponies are the best. Everyone loves dogs and the ponies. <laughs> and it seems that this horrible massacre in Uvalde is making politicians on both sides of the aisle try to at least find common ground, to at least discuss the gun issue. But personally, to me, anything less than a ban on assault weapons and really strict gun control laws in general, anything less than that means nothing, really. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they got Don McLean to start with. When I saw him, it was at a kind of public TV NPR event. And I'm guessing the average Republican is not a fan of the song about Vincent Van Gogh. <laughs> no, probably not. So, you know, the NRA really only started to ramp up their political donations during the Clinton administration after Republicans took control of the House of Representatives in 1994. Prior to that, their total expenditures on lobbying was less than a million dollars a year. Yeah, they're really an organization who rode on the coattails of other Republicans who were smarter than they were. During the Clinton administration, gun control was a bipartisan issue. The law that established background checks was named after a Reagan staffer who got mm -hmm. shot during an attempt to assassinate Reagan. The assault weapon ban, which would have prevented most of our recent mass shootings, was passed in 1994, and it was also not repealed by the Republicans when they took control of Congress. It had an expiration date of 2004, and they just refused to vote to extend it. Yes, we had an assault weapons ban, and guess what? Our freedom didn't die, the country didn't collapse. In fact, everything was better, less people died in senseless shootings. But the NRA was behind all of the court challenges to these laws, despite the unwillingness of the Republicans in Congress at the time to openly support them. And the frustrating fact is that NRA is tax-exempt because it's classified by the IRS as a social welfare organization. I mean, it could be said that the NRA really is, at the end of the day, just a credit card for its management and its favorite members of Congress. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Ted Cruz is their current largest recipient of funds, predictably, and thankfully he's suffering a bit for that in uh, the last few days. Yeah, I mean, him getting shouted at in a restaurant is worth watching more than once, but at the end of the day, he is rich, so rich that his grand-grand-grandchildren will live comfortable lives made on money Ted Cruz lined his pockets and coffers with, money made on the blood of innocents, and I don't know. Still. Leaving them with no place to go in peace is a worthwhile thing to do, I think. <laughs>
And speaking of fine dining on the expense account, the NRA has been in money trouble for a few years now. The New York State Attorney brought lawsuits against them for misappropriation of non-profit funds during the Trump administration, and they know they're in danger of losing that case. Wayne LaPierre, the NRA CEO, is the son of an accountant at General Electric and also from New York. And Wayne is just as much a corporate office guy as his daddy was. There are videos of him on hunting trips with his wife that the NRA has tried to hide and neither of them can carry and shoot a gun by themselves without the help of a guide. Come on, I don't believe that Republican organizations are full of hypocrites. You can't be serious. <laughs> I know, it's so out of character for them, right? But look, the NRA's main thing is the Second Amendment. Freedom. Ooh, can't take my guns. It's our right as Americans. Look, no freedom is absolute. No right is absolute. For example, freedom of speech, First Amendment, right? I am free to say whatever I want. I'm free to peacefully protest, to complain and to record episodes with you and be mad about whatever. Now, imagine I go and post a video on YouTube about how to make bombs and tell people how to go attack certain places, right? And the FBI is going to be at my door in 30 minutes for good reason. Freedom of speech is not absolute. Freedom of religion, also First Amendment. I am free to worship and not worship and practice any religion or no religion, right? But if, let's say, my religious beliefs are requiring me that every Monday I sacrifice a virgin, guess what? I'm not going to be able to practice my religion and I'll end up in jail. No freedom or right is absolute for good reason. And the NRA and all these people always seem to forget the well-regulated part of that Second Amendment. Yes, well-regulated militia. And Warren Burger, former Supreme Court justice, said, quote, the gun lobby's interpretation of the Second Amendment is one of the greatest pieces of fraud on the American people by special interest groups that I have ever seen in my lifetime. The real purpose of the Second Amendment was to ensure that the state armies, the militia, would be maintained for the defense of the state. The very language of the Second Amendment refutes any argument that it was intended to guarantee every citizen an unfettered right to any kind of weapon he or she desires. Speaking of fraud, the catch is getting money out of a nonprofit is a fraud you can't do by yourself. You got to have complicit employees of the nonprofit. Uh, because the IRS requires that board members who govern the organization be independent of the salaried people. So organizations like the NRA have to have a conspiracy of multiple people to take the money. And take the money for themselves, they do. Wayne LaPierre gets his clothes from a tailor on Rodeo Drive in Beverly Hills. He and his wife charter private jets for all of their trips. On the low end, this costs between $5,000 and $10,000 per hour in the air. His wife contracts celebrity makeup artists to fix her up for her public appearances too. Well, of course they do. So there's always got to be an executive leading the NRA who's complicit in the frauds, as well as complicit board members who will agree to this stuff. And they're probably not going to agree unless they're also wetting their beaks a little, as Don Finucci would say. <laughs> Due to this and other things, while Wayne and his wife increased their personal enrichment at the expense of their nonprofit organization every year, the NRA is shrinking in terms of donors and the bottom line. But the thing we really want to talk 
about here isn't their money. It's related to a story written by Adam Serwer in The Atlantic in 2018, in which he pointed out that, quote, the cruelty is the point. Trump and his supporters find community by rejoicing in the suffering of those they hate and fear. Yeah, that was a pretty accurate statement on his part. And the article he wrote is mostly in the context of things like, you know, Brett Kavanaugh's weird shouting performance during his confirmation hearings and the racist events that happened during Trump's term in office. But there are older examples of Serwer's largest point, particularly why the NRA chose Oliver North as their hmm. most recent president during the Trump years. So I know that Oliver North was part of the Iran-Contra scandal, but what does that have to do with our story? Well, there's a reason why NRA people love Oliver North so much. We mentioned him briefly in one of our other episodes, but I don't think by name. We were talking about the financial schemes and scams of various people and remember when I talked about the U.S. military officer who bummed $10 million from a sultan <laughs> for an illegal spy operation and then put it in the wrong Swiss bank account and immediately <laughs> lost the money? Oh, my God. Is that the same guy they put him in charge of the NRA's budget? That's insane. That's hilarious. <laughs> yes, that's him. It's Oliver North. And I think that was our episode about the fraud influencers when we were talking about uh, the fake Saudi prince on Instagram with the gold stoning stones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the Botox camels. Yes, the Botox camels. We can't forget the Botox camels. That was a premium episode, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we do two of those premium episodes per month in addition to our four free ones. So you guys can get them by going to dubiouspod.com and clicking on the Become a Patron button at the top of the page, or there's a link in the episode notes. And not only do you get the premium episodes, but you also get all of our public episodes ad-free as well. And please, guys, if you like us, recommend us to your friends. And if you have suggestions or if you want to propose new subjects you'd like to hear about, we are at DubiousPod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So yes, about friends... The guy who lost the Sultan's money was <laughs> Oliver North, a complete idiot from top to bottom. Uh, but that's not all he's known for. People may also be familiar with the Tom Cruise movie American Made about Barry Seal that came out a few years ago. He was the guy who was flying cocaine from Latin mm -hmm. America into the U.S. in the 1980s. And then he'd turn around and fly guns back to right-wing militia groups in Central America on the same airplane. Oliver North was the person who organized all this then? Yep, that was Oliver North <laughs> behind all of this stuff. The Jimmy Carter administration made military aid to countries like Nicaragua and El Salvador contingent upon their ceasing of violent actions against civilians in the late 1970s. But, predictably, the Reagan administration liked the torture of civilians, so they sent Oliver North to find alternative funding means so that they could keep doing this stuff and just not tell Congress about it. And they continued training and arming the torturers and death squads of Central and Latin America without any strings attached. 
And the money that people like Barry Seal skimmed along to Oliver North was training those right-wing death squads at secret camps in El Salvador run by uh, military officers and intelligence officers from a place called the School of the Americas. And the School of the Americas was a military training academy for foreign police and military officers. And I mean, if you show me a right-wing dictator known for torture and murder of civilians anywhere in the world, I will show you a School of the Americas graduate. It was founded in Panama in 1946, and it kind of took its dark turn for training torturers and assassins after the Kennedy assassination in 1963. And the school operated a training ground on an air base in El Salvador during Reagan's administration. So the commander of the school in El Salvador was a man named Felix Rodriguez. And he was a Cuban exile turned CIA guy after the Bay of Pigs invasion failed. And he had also run torture camps in Vietnam. Uh, Felix Rodriguez was specifically hired for this job by Oliver North because he was a helicopter pilot in addition to his other, shall we say, not so soft <laughs> skills. And he could train other helicopter pilots. And these proxy wars of military aid were not a one-way deal. The reason they needed well-trained helicopter pilots was because the leftist militia groups had Soviet anti-aircraft systems. That's what brought it all to light. An American pilot was shot down in a military cargo plane over Central America when there wasn't supposed to be any American military aircraft in Central America. Yeah, that's what set off the Iran-Contra investigation in Congress in the mid-1980s. And for context, an El Salvador Special Forces Battalion trained by future NRA director Oliver North and his chosen underling Felix Rodriguez was responsible for the following things just in El Salvador. First the murder of 700 women, children, and elderly people in a farming village named El Mazote in 1982. The residents of that town knew the army was coming to look for left-wing guerrillas, but they were assured that non-combatants would be left alone, so all the men left, and they left the elderly and the women and children in the village. The Salvadoran Army Battalion flew in on helicopters and killed every single person in this town after raping all the teenage girls first, of course. It was discovered by the New York Times at the time, but disregarded by the Reagan uh, diplomat Elliot Abrams, who people may remember, if they were paying attention, a few years ago. Uh, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar called him out in front of Congress for that very thing mm -hmm. when the Trump administration was trying to send Abrams to Venezuela as some sort of diplomatic envoy there uh, just a few years ago. That same yes. Special Forces Battalion, trained by Oliver North and Felix Rodriguez, was also responsible for the murder during mass of the Archbishop of San Salvador, Oscar Romero, he was a politically moderate Catholic priest who was trying to get both sides in the country's civil war to stop the violence against each other. 
and 250,000 people attended Romero's funeral in the same army battalion shot into the funeral crowd <sighs> on the street and killed 40 more people during the archbishop's funeral. This is insane. It is I mean, just absolutely insane. And the same army battalion was also responsible for the rapes and murders of four American nuns <sighs> who were volunteering with a women's shelter and other women's aid charities in El Salvador. Uh, sisters Ursuline Kazel, Jean Donovan, they were coming from the airport where they had picked up sisters Mara Clark and Ida Ford, who were returning from a conference in Nicaragua. And at a military checkpoint, they were pulled from their car at gunpoint, raped, hmm. shot, and buried in a mass grave right there on the side of the road. And these are selected actions of one battalion from one country. The School of the Americas graduated 60,000 foreign military and police personnel throughout its history before they rebranded it in 2001. And when George Bush Jr. sort of brought U.S.-sanctioned torture above board in the early 2000s, there was a push after Democrats took back Congress in 2006 to abolish the School of the Americas. But the vote in Congress uh, was six short, so it remained, but the name was changed. And in 2021, most of the graduates of the new rebranded School of the Americas by country were from Colombia, and I suppose they'll leave it to the audience to determine whether they think the School of the Americas preference for Colombian police and soldiers has anything to do with that country's uh, abandoning of its peace agreement with the FARC militias in 2019. But in any case, these are the things that made Oliver North a right-wing hero. You know, the right-wingers, like the people who donate to the NRA, they love their torturers. They love yes. their death squads. Yes. I mean, that's what we have like just a week ago. You know, when we were researching for our episode about the uh, aviation school in Denton, Texas, that drove one of its Chinese students to suicide, I stumbled across a video in the Denton, Texas subreddit where a Baptist pastor was at a city council meeting in Arlington in the Dallas metro area. He was saying in the public comments of a city council meeting how we should execute the gays. Yes. I mean, I like you sent me that video and I was shocked. But on the other hand, I wasn't because it's not the first time that the all these stones have been there. I feel like recently, though, they are more emboldened, right? Like, I feel like it's been getting better, but now with the abortion ban and them trying to reverse Roe versus Wade and all this stuff, I feel like all this stuff is coming back again. And the next thing is they're going to try to walk back the rights yes. for, you know, uh, LGBTQIA. That's what's coming next. And about that pastor, when the people in the audience, you know, rightfully so, tried to interrupt him and, you know, say like, that's not acceptable, that's insane. The city council people on the stage started yelling at the audience, be civil. I mean, <laughs> the audacity, the nerve, are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, there's a video of this. We're going to link it in the notes because it's unbelievable, but like it really happened. 
And that's why people like Oliver North get picked to lead the organizations that are important to the right-wingers, and particularly they're organizing and their fundraising. And as Adam Serwer said, the cruelty is the point. I mean, look at those Trump speeches from 2016. They love the journalists and the photographers being stuck in their little bullpens in the middle of the crowd, and they love their locker-up chants. Yeah, they're like low-budget Nuremberg rallies. <laughs> yeah, but like, like for the wrong reason, you know what I mean? On the other side, it's like mirrored, like reversed in a mirror. And look, Wayne Lapierre also has his cruelties. Him and his wife went on this African hunting trip, and you know how I feel about animals. And in my opinion, no animal deserves to die for no reason, just for somebody's entertainment. Because as far as I'm concerned... This is not hunting, okay? This is something a coward would do and is disgusting and killing elephants and lions, which are kept in confined spaces because they're not like in the wild. They can't hide or run. This is so horrible. I don't even have words for it. Yeah, it really is. And uh, these hunts are pretty shameful. And there's a video and the NRA tried to hide it. But after eight years, it surfaced and was published for the world to see. And we don't need to go through the details of the video, but Wayne and his wife were not even able to operate their guns. And these people represent the NRA. Yeah, well, as bad as Oliver North is at handling money he bumped for assault on, that's how bad Wayne and his wife are at shooting guns. They can't even hold the guns up and shoot straight within a few feet of their faces. How are these people the face of the NRA? Wayne really lets his sort of air-conditioned corporate office upbringing shine through in this video. At one point, the guide says, I don't even know what you're shooting at, <laughs> when he can't shoot at a spot less than like five yards away from where he's standing. And the wife? The wife can't hold the gun up, like, at all. So they have to bring this homemade stand for her to prop the gun on it, because it's the only way she is able to even try and aim with that gun. Like, she's completely useless. And who do these people think they're fooling, you know? I, I honestly don't know. And the worst part is this is the most sympathetic video that they could possibly have made because their hunting guide in the video was Wayne's former personal assistant and then turned from that into an NRA contractor. Are you kidding me? These people are beyond pathetic. And honestly, all they do is killing and we've seen the examples and we've seen what they've done in El Salvador we've seen what they've done to the nuns to the village of young girls like it's all murders and killings and honestly the title of this episode NRA nobody remains alive couldn't be more on point I think maybe when he's picking up his suits on Rodeo Drive Disneyland could let him shoot it like a cardboard cut out of Dumbo instead or something well I think it still miss <laughs> <laughs> probably Probably. He is a profusely sweaty man. Uh, I mean, just look at it pouring off of him. He looks like Trump out there. I did not think I would ever see another wild animal story as cruel and pathetic as Putin killing the tiger by over-sedating the animal he wanted a follow-up with, but here we are. Wayne Lapierre, you have done it. You know, the only difference between the Bushes and the Reagans and the Trumps is, you know, Trump just bragged about it. The former one's kind of hit it behind dog whistles and innuendo, like when Reagan was giving his lynching site speeches back in the 80s. And before he was head of the NRA, Oliver North did his part for the right wing's torture fetishes 
uh, during the Iran-Contra thing. And that's how he got on this trajectory to be a big right-wing figure. And Felix Rodriguez did his part for, you know, the right-winger's sadistic fetishes in the 1970s when he was in Vietnam. And Colin Powell, too. I mean, Colin Powell was the guy that the army had tried to cover up the My Lai Village massacre in Vietnam in the late 60s, where U.S. soldiers were photographed, you know, murdering women and young girls. And so he did his part for the right wing's torture and murder fetish in the 1960s, too. That's how he got uh, started on his political career. The American right-wingers have always been this way. You know, the only thing that varies is how open they are about it. You know, Adam Serwer talked about this in his article. He was talking about going to one of the slavery museums in the Deep South. And he said, you look at the photos from the lynchings, and what jumps out at you is not the picture of the person that's been murdered, that's strapped to a tree or whatever, it's the grins and the smiles on the faces of the people who have done that to him. It's like they're happy to be there. They're happy to be in the picture. They want to be in on it. I think that anybody who suggests that there are sort of good, moderate right-wingers, I mean, at least in the Reagan and Bush senior crowd, you know, they need to rethink that. I mean, the Oliver Norths and Felix Rodriguez's and Elliot Abrams's of the world are not good people. There are no good guys in that bunch. Definitely not. There's no discussion about that. And it will be interesting to see how the fallout from all of this affects police and their budgets as well. You know, we mentioned the timeline from the shooting in our previous episode and more details have come to light since then. But none of this looks favorable on the local police in Uvalde. In fact, I'm mad like 19 police officers just stayed there for an hour while the kids and teachers were being murdered inside. I am livid, to be honest. Yes, I mean, especially since 40% of the city's budget goes to the police department. I mean, 19 cops, 19 kids, one cop for each kid. I mean, two teachers. This is disgusting. And if I hear one more time the good guy with a gun stopping guy, and you know what, I'm gonna say something and this might be somewhat of an unpopular opinion. But I gotta say it, look, in all the interviews that I've seen on TV of family members, family friends, parents, people in Uvalde, right, like all these TV interviews and interviews given to the press, nobody, not a single person there said anything about guns, like ban the guns, enough is enough, we want a ban on assault weapons. Nope, not a word. I mean, look, your child is dead. What do you have to lose? Why are you afraid? Do you know? I mean, there's nothing left to lose. Your child, your children of the community, they are dead. So utter the words, find the courage. I mean, I think the most I heard the parents say was, something must be done, which I don't know. I would be all over. Like I would be literally yelling from the rooftops and not as an expression. I would literally be with a megaphone on the rooftops. Yeah, you can't see inside anybody's head. I wonder if it's just so internalized in people that you can never say anything bad about a gun. It's almost like they're sacrosanct. I think because the GOP always used God and religious, you know how they mix it all together, our God-given right to bear arms. It's almost, I feel like that might have something to do with it. Like it's, it's something that's 
too sacred to attack the guns. Despite yes. our children are lying dead in the morgue. Yeah, I don't get it. It's like it's the same thing with COVID. I mean, since you have COVID, yes. you know, we thank you for reminding me too. I mean, I saw people on social media here in Texas when COVID was at its worst. That uh, is the same thing, you know. It's like people will take their politics to the grave. Literally, yeah. You know, you see, yes, you see all these people that they're all vaccine jokes. And then two or three days later, it's, oh, wait, my wife has COVID. And then a week later, it's, oh, send thoughts and prayers. My wife is going to die. I don't wish this on these people, but you can't help but think the obvious question to them is, was it worth it? Yeah. Were the Facebook memes worth it? The mother of your children is going to die. Was it worth About it? About the Uvalde parents, look, I can't imagine. Let's be honest. Maybe, so it's not even about the parents, but I would see members of the community, other people there that were on TV giving interviews and stuff. I have not seen one person from that community saying something like, ban the guns, enough is enough, we don't need AR-15s, nobody does. You know what I mean? No, it's all quiet. And it kind of bothered me. If we can't say it in a situation like this, then when are we going to get the courage to say it? On the other hand, Uvalde has a Republican mayor. He ran three times. He won each time. The last two times he ran unopposed. So that also tells me something, you know, we're going to let the listeners judge for themselves. But look, if the ballistic shield was what was needed, you know, to get into the room the shooter had locked himself into, why doesn't the local police... Or, you know, the school resource officer there, why don't they have such a ballistic shield? I mean, they get almost half of that town's money. Yes, and I'm sure the school gets a significant part of the other half of the city's total tax revenue. I mean, you would think for 40% of the town's budget that any item that might be useful during a school shooting would be close by, but that does not seem to be the case. Yes, and look, I'm going to defend the school here and say, look, schools are schools. These are educational institutions. I don't think, you know, ballistic shields are something that schools should have. Just, I mean, only in America we're thinking that they should. This is insane. Can you imagine going in Italy and telling them that your schools should have ballistic shields? They would look at you like you're crazy because they would never accept things to get this far. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could just picture that and say, like, what? Do I get like a suit of armor and, and a horse with that, too? It's like, what are we doing it's insane. here? You know, I don't think there is a discussion about arming the schools and making them like military bases. You know, I think it's a problem of like literally banning the damn assault rifles. That's where I stand. And, you know, furthermore, these police are actually out trying to defend their inaction for an hour while the gunman was in the classroom. Let's hear a clip where a Texas police lieutenant says that the cops were reluctant to engage the gunman because, quote, they could have been shot. You want to preserve life, but also one thing that, of course, the American people need to understand is that officers are making entry into this building. Uh, they do not know where the gunman is. Uh, they are hearing gunshots. They are they are receiving gunshots. At that point, if they if they proceeded any further, not knowing where this suspect was at, um, they could have been shot. They could have been killed. And at that point, that gunman would have the opportunity to kill other people inside that school. So they were able to contain that gunman inside that classroom, uh, so that he was not able to go to any other portions of the school to commit any other killings. And this is all contradictory to the FBI's statement, by the way. There was a story in the Times over the weekend 
in which the FBI agent who wrote the Bureau's active shooter policies said that they train people to engage the shooter as soon as possible and that the local police did not follow the FBI's recommended protocols during the shoot. Yes, and we have also heard no details yet as we record this about where exactly the school resource officer was. We only know that he was not at the school when the shooting started, so... I suspect the lack of clarification about what the school resource officer was doing uh, speaks volumes in this case. We probably don't know where he was or what he was doing because it's embarrassing. I would guess that either there's not a full-time school resource officer at the school, which is embarrassing considering the police have 40% of the town Mm -hmm. budget, or that he was off doing something unrelated to being a school cop, which would be equally embarrassing. Yes, I have a feeling it's the second. <laughs> and in any case, we'll find out eventually. And in the meantime, I hope our listeners in the U.S. and in Texas in particular understand that this is your time in the sun, Texas people. If you want better than Abbott and Patrick and Cornyn and Cruz, you have everyone's attention now. Until the next mass shooting, at least. No, there already was a next mass shooting. I was watching the news the other day, and they had to briefly stop reporting on the Uvalde shooting to cover the Oklahoma Memorial Day shooting and the Tennessee shooting. By definition, there have been 17 mass shootings since the Uvalde shooting in the U.S. What's wrong with this country? Well, I mean, look at who we elect. (laughs) So... There's uh, there's Trump up there doing his little dance, his one dance. I mean, uh, yeah. This is what gets me about the shooters, like the one in Buffalo, who clearly have some Trumpish ideology behind them. I mean, these people got everything they wanted. You know, the gun restrictions from the 1990s are all gone. And the federal judiciary is about two-thirds Bush appointees. Obama's long gone, too. He's term-limited out. Their boy Trump won the 2016 election, I mean, kind of, (laughs) at least in electoral votes, against their arch nemesis, too. Yet the little gun boys are still, you know, they're sitting in their houses, angrily pounding their fists on their laptops. (laughs) You know, every time Hannity tells them to be mad about something, that's it. They've gotten everything they want. And when it's still not a perfect little world for them where everything is there to be shot every time they walk outside, (laughs) they think, well, I got to go load up and go shoot up the Kroger because, you know, that black guy at the grocery store has conspired against us. (laughs) Well, I don't know, but one of our listeners found them too. It seems after our last episode, when we said that American's obsession with guns is pathological and almost sexual... A photographer named Brigitte told us on Twitter that she was actually asked by a woman to photograph her and her husband in a sexy boudoir session with all their guns, including her pink guns, like sexy poses. And (laughs) Brigitte (laughs) Brigitte refused because she found this disturbing. But can you imagine? So when we said almost sexual, we were wrong. It is a sexual obsession with guns. And that's not the last sexual reference in this episode, but the other one at the end has a, well, a happy ending, so to speak. (laughs) Also, on the Buffalo shooter, NBC reported that the Buffalo gunman had been talking in a Discord chat for weeks to no one. There was no one else in the chat. He was just copying and pasting racist posts from 4chan 
to himself. We have a kid who killed a classroom full of other kids in Uvalde because his grandma was taking away his phone calls to a girl in Germany. And we got another guy who was talking to himself in a chat room by himself. And Ted Cruz and Greg Abbott say, well, nothing to be done here. It's okay that they have machine guns. Yes, exactly. And look, I get the point. But talking to yourself in Discord is not illegal. I mean, look, these two murderers had issues, obviously. Obviously. But that's the thing. You can't ban mental illness and you can't always discover it and treat it in time, right? Or you can't ban evil or all this stuff. But you know what you can ban? Assault weapons. No 18-year-old, hell, no civilian, no matter the age, needs an Armalite which was made for the Vietnam War. Its only purpose is to kill as many people as possible, as fast as possible. No civilian needs such a weapon. But I am hoping that the Uvalde mass shooting is going to be that one that finally hopefully moves the needle. There was also a picture of a Trump rally in Wyoming that was looking pretty dire in terms of attendance. Well over two-thirds of the arena was empty, so I'm taking that as a good sign. Hopefully so. As for the NRA, the New York Attorney General Letitia James' motion to disband the organization was denied, but the judge did allow all of her other complaints about their financial fraud to continue to trial. Yep, and they tried to file bankruptcy to get away from the New York State Attorney's fraud charges, but the judge they tried to hide behind in Texas rejected their attempt to move there too. And those kids and parents in Uvalde who were affected by the shooting deserve to have the NRA suffer as much as they have. Let's hear the CNN interview with an NRA board member reacting to what the kids are saying after the shooting. Do you ever want to go back to school? I don't want to know, because I don't want anything to do with another shooting and me in the school. You scared it might happen again? Mm -hmm. And I know it might happen again, probably. I have the fear of um, guns now, because I'm scared someone might shoot me. What do you say to these children who, who say uh, they're afraid somebody is going to shoot them if they go back to school? Well, I say to the children that we all pray for you and we all want to lift you up in prayer, that we want to have hope that you get through this. The audacity, lifting them up in prayer? They don't need your prayers, you disgusting piece of poop. They need decent gun laws. It's funny that you have people like Oliver North running your organization one minute and thoughts and prayers the next minute. Yeah, I don't think Jesus ever said, torture thy political opponents and rape and murder thy nuns. (laughs) If you have kids or a wife or a husband, you probably don't want them anywhere near people who associate with the NRA at this point either. I mean, I can't fathom what those kids from Uvalde who survived this are going to have to go through every day for the rest of their lives. Yes, this gun thing needs to stop. Imagine the lifelong trauma these kids who made it out will have to deal with. One mother was saying that her child is screaming in his sleep now. He saw one of his teachers getting shot and a good friend of his getting shot in the head too. And he told her that immediately after, but now, days later, he says he can't remember any of it. But 
you know, he has horrible night terrors and his brain probably shut down those memories as a self-protective move. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And there's also the story of Joe Garcia, the husband of one of the teachers. He died two days later after placing flowers at the memorial in front of the school. He had a massive heart attack. He literally died of a broken heart. Yeah, I cannot imagine seeing the love of your life, the mother of your children torn to pieces. I mean, I don't even want to think about that. That's That's got to be awful. Yes, and the incompetence and cowardice of the police and school officials who are supposed to be prepared and trained for this. I mean, the police are stuck in the hallway in the school because both classroom doors are locked. And as far as I understand, one of them goes to look for a school employee, some says the janitor, to get the keys. Looking at the timeline, it's, I mean, it's just crazy. If If they're missing ballistic shields... Those supposedly arrived at 12.15. It was another 45 minutes before they got into the room and killed the shooter after the ballistic shield got there. It just doesn't add up. And from what I gather, the border security team, when they entered, they did so against orders. They just said, this is BS, we are going in. And they did so despite being told not to by the local chief of police or the officer who was in charge there at the scene, right? And if this is all 40% of your city budget buys in terms of police protection, I think Uvalde needs a refund. And people in Texas, look, I worked on Beto O'Rourke's campaign for Senate in 2018. He's genuinely a good person. Beto really is a good guy. And he's been ahead of this issue before everyone else, the guns. He was the first to condemn guns when the shooter from Allen, Texas, drove all the way to El Paso to kill a store full of Hispanic and Latino people at a Walmart during the 2020 campaign. He has been pushing for a ban on assault weapons for a long time. And moreover, he works well with Republicans too. I mean, him and Will Hurd, they did a lot of good things together when Beto was congressman. So, Texas, you deserve better than Greg Abbott. Get rid of him. It would be nice to have a uh, decent guy in the governor's mansion in Texas for a change. Yeah, and I mean, look at Canada. Just because of Valde, which isn't even in their country, they froze the sale of handguns because of a mass shooting in America. This is Justin Trudeau speaking. We're introducing legislation to implement a national freeze on handgun ownership. What this means is that it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. In other words, we're capping the market for handguns. Justin Trudeau is hot. (laughs) <laughs> and Trump, not so much. He's just sweaty and orange. He's like a he's like a muddy pig. <laughs> yes, Justin uh, Trudeau. It's because of Fidel, you know. I mean, the rumor for those unfamiliar is that Trudeau is the biological son of Fidel Castro. His mother and father were friends with Fidel back in the 1970s when his father was the Canadian prime minister. I mean, most likely not true, but funny to talk about. And in any case, we know that Fidel was delivering the goods. <laughs> yes, he was. I mean, there was a story about that uh, that lady spy sent to kill Fidel. And not only did she not kill him, but they had a multi-year sort of friends with benefits arrangement after she let him go. 
So, fellas, that's the ticket. High effort in the sack. And then she will not murder you for the CIA. Yes, exactly. High effort, guys. And since uh, I can't get Walt Whitman sorted out from Charles Whitman, I'm actually the one with the book recommendation for this episode. That's a terrifying thought. (laughs) We have two books to recommend this week. Gunfight by Ryan Bussey. He's a former gun industry executive, actually, turned to the other side of the table. And the second is Mark Fallman, and the name of his book is Trigger Points. Both of these books are similar in that they are looking at the individuals and the industry that is involved in these mass shootings and how they might be changed to prevent these shootings like Uvalde before they happen. To conclude, this is important. The kids who made it out of Rob Elementary in Uvalde spent this entire time that it took us to discuss the tragedy and the entire time it took you to listen to us. They spent this whole time in utter terror. The kids who got wounded first bled out. Many could have been saved if the police acted as they were supposed to. And more importantly, all would have been saved and would be on summer break now on vacation if military-grade weapons wouldn't be sold legally to civilians here in the U.S. That is pretty much it. Think that's all for this one? Yes, and if you like us, guys, a five-star rating and hopefully a good review would really be helpful. But most of all, recommend us to your friends. And we're at Dubious Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We love to hear from you guys, so come talk to us on whatever social media apps you prefer. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time.